Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 489, as we rapidly, well, I think, we're, I think we worked out it was going to be August the 2nd is probably going to be our episode 500, but we're getting there. Feels like a major milestone. We're just back. Uh, it's been a very busy couple of weeks. I th- we had Music Messer two weeks back, and then a show in between, and then uh, we've just been in Superbooth in Berlin, uh, which was, I would say, is the biggest, I would say definitely was the biggest synth show in the world Maybe ever, but I'll uh, 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 maybe that maybe someone has a different thought of that. If you're wondering what's going on, this is Sonic Talk. This is the podcast that talks about all things to do with electronic music, music production, uh, live sound, live production, software, synthesizers, modulars, all that kind of thing. So that's what you'll be watching for the next hour or so. And if you stay tuned, you'll have the opportunity to uh, win a copy of Isotopes. Neutron, which is uh, a great plugin for working on your mixes. So please do stay tuned. It'll probably happen about halfway through the show. Show lasts for about an hour. Please do subscribe, though, because uh, if you're not already, uh, this is how close we are. We're, what's that, 594 away from, uh, this is a live real-time update uh, scenario of of our YouTube subscribers. I was too cheap to not buy a flappet, kind of one of those little uh, flippy clocks that you can get that shows your counts, because they're about 500 quid, so I thought I'd just make do with a screen instead. So there it is, and that'll do for me. Hopefully it won't be too long. Anyway, let's get on to our guests. Uh, We'll start with uh, Mr. DivKid, Ben uh, from Leeds, who, as you can see, has a lot of modular stuff. If you've not seen uh, DivKid before or Ben before, he does a whole bunch of modular-based videos on YouTube. He's got a very successful channel there. And what's the name of your podcast? Is it the Modular Podcast? Yeah, me and uh, two friends each each month do a sort of topical show on it's super geeky. Anything from it might be two hours talking about envelopes and lots of patch <laughs> ideas. It might be an interview. Um, yeah, topical monthly show on modular and synthesis in general, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Well, welcome, Ben. Um, you can find him on Twitter at, at DivKid and uh, DivKid Video, I think, is the YouTube channel. So uh, do check yeah. it out. There's a load of stuff there. And the reason we got Ben on is uh, not only because he's a friend of ours, but also he was at Superbooth as well. So uh, that's why we uh, I needed some support because I don't know if I've ever said, but when you do a trade show, particularly one like this, which has got so many, so many things in it, it's very, actually very hard to remember everything. So I'm hoping that he will fill the holes in my memory and I'll perhaps fill the holes in his memory because it does ruin your short-term memory going to trade shows. Uh, as Dave Spears from G4 Software will not know because he doesn't really do them. So I, I have to say, Dave, there were so many, there was native instruments with their propeller heads were there, both both uh, manufacturers who never, ever, ever do trade shows anymore. And they were there. So what's your excuse? Uh, none, really. <laughs> That's all right, then. <laughs> you don't have to give one. You don't have to justify yourself to me. Although I have asked you to, which probably is... Um, yeah, well, anyway. Uh, anyway, Dave Spears, G4 Software, makes the fine software instruments. And as you can see behind him, his synth cave, which is populated with classics. There's a Model D mini Moog there and a, what looks like a Jupiter 8. And I think that's the Oberheim 8 voice behind him, who he, which he analyzes to great depth and turns them into binary. Is that fair enough? No. Uh, might be. Might be. Some might of them. At some point, yeah. It's all in the name of research. Of course. Anyway, Dave, how are you? I'm, yes, all right, I think. Yes. Good. Uh, busy, busy, busy. busy. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah sort of trying to get I'm going away for a little while so I need to get all my work done before I kind of hand it over knowing full well that things can go on while I'm away and we're also still in the process of 
getting our new little place ready. Yeah, and which are is you very exciting? Excellent. And are you uh, when you go on holiday? Do you actually think I have to go somewhere where I'm online, or are you going to go? You know what? I'm just going to get out here and sod the consequences. Uh, a mixture of both. A mixture of both. Yeah. No, I've obviously made sure I've got. Uh, I'm contactable anyway. So yeah, no, it'll be good. It's uh, yeah, I'm going on a big, big drive. But um, excellent. Anyway, that sounds what, like a lot of fun. What's to do before then? Yeah, somebody asked me the other day. So I guess I told them where I was going, and they said, "So I guess you love driving then?" And I thought, oh, "Yeah, actually, not particularly." Oh really? Yeah, that's a that's a poor choice. Then. <laughs> I quite like driving, but only during the daylight hours. I'm not. I don't enjoy driving at night so much anymore, unless the roads are empty. But that's another matter entirely. Let's also say hello to Mr. Rich Hilton, who's over there in Connecticut, where I don't know if it's snowing, sunny, spring, or whatever. I can't. I can't tell. But Rich works with Nile Rogers in the studio a lot. Very lucky man, and also tours with the disco band Chic, playing classics that everybody. I'm sure knows the word it's like Beatles songs everybody knows the words to them but they don't know how they know them they've kind of entered into popular consciousness haven't they well they spend the night saying I didn't know he wrote that basically <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that's I, our show until I, we get to I did that too. that's our show yeah I did that too when I, when I saw you at WOMAD I was like oh I did. yeah of course of course it sounds just like that kind of style why didn't I think of it but yeah it's been suggested that we should tour as awe freak out because it would draw more people. More people. Oh, really? No, we're draw. Yeah, we're drawing. Just people might expect days. a Zappa tribute band, though, if you were, if you weren't careful. Oh, there. Well, then, <laughs> yes. There's that. There's that. And that's a great album. Boy, if she got on stage and played Zappa's "Freak Out," that would be something. Yeah, great. yeah. And what's the um, other other ones of that time? Lumpy Gravy and all of that. Being a Zappa fan, I would love that. But yeah. uh, it turns out that we're going on a major tour this summer. That it's been finally announced, and that we're going to jaunt all over the u.s with uh earth wind and fire together as one show mostly arenas a couple of amphitheaters um so i I have a question though how are you going to be able to deal with all of those horn players in one in one place at one time isn't that kind of a real liability from what i've heard about horn players don't they have a kind of uh a, uh, a it may be undeserved but it's like a reputation for being crazy party animals well, the bar will do a brisk business. No, I don't know anything about Earth, Wind & Fire's horn section or what they do, and I don't want to cast any aspersions about my good friends in the horn section, but I'm a, I'm a former horn – I'm a recovering horn player myself. I was a trombone miner in college, so uh, I can get along just fine with horn players. And actually, in the show, I play sort of as a section with the horns uh, quite a bit. So, ah, okay. Uh, we're uh, very simpatico, empathetic, and otherwise brotherly uh, around those parts. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, there is no agenda to the show this week, apart from the fact of, my God, Superbooth. What about that, then? It was, it was just to give you, uh, last year was the first ever Superbooth, though. You, if you've been to any trade shows, maybe at NAM or Music Messer over the last four or five years, there was this entity called the Superbooth, which was kind of a collection of modular and boutique electronic music uh, manufacturers that were kind of under the umbrella of Mr. Herr Schneiders, Andreas Schneiders, who is a astonishing character. He then decided to put on a, a show of his own, which seems to have just basically sucked all the life out of uh, the Music Messer show, because that was the year before they did that, that, that was where all the excitement was happening, and now uh, he has his own thing. So last year was at the Funk House, which was an amazing place. This year was a place called the Fez, or the Fed, I don't know how you pronounce it, which was a kind of uh, children's... Um, 
leisure centre in wood in Woodlands, quite a long way outside of Berlin. So there's swimming pool, there's all sorts of classrooms and kind of events and auditoriums and stuff. And they basically took over not even the whole of it, and that was big enough. And uh, it was it, everybody was there. I would say. And as I said, uh, Div Kid Ben, how would you prefer to be actually addressed on the show? Um, either Facebook is Div Kid Ben. Um... <laughs> I'll call you Ben. What ben, the hell? Yeah, Let's why be not? Personal. So, yeah, I mean, you went to the uh, Funkhouse last year. I, I think there were more people this year, weren't there? Perhaps uh, they reckoned 170 from 130 last year. So a lot of people, right? Yeah, and I think I'd heard about 6,000 people through the doors was the sort of thing I was hearing Okay. at the event. Um, yeah, it's, it felt double the size, but as you say, the manufacturers weren't quite double from last year. Um, overwhelming, just such a huge event. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to cover. All there's a lot. I mean, the thing about it this year as well, there were some more major manufacturers. We had Yamaha with the MX88, which is an 88 key version of the Motif. A bit disappointed it was just a Motif. They got the montage. I thought they might be doing something with that. Comp- but anyway, uh, lightweight and all of those sort of things and uh, various other items. And there was just a lot of uh, well, well, I say a lot, but there was. There's a lot of stuff on the modular side. I didn't cover so much of that. I want to thank Ed, um, Ed Butterworth, who is, who was the other half of the team with me there. And I know he was really sick over the time. You know, he had a terrible cold and he battled through it and did a sterling job. I think we got like 60 odd videos up online, which is plenty, I would say, to, to keep you going. I don't know how many hours that equates to. And I'm sure, Dave, you probably haven't had a chance to watch them all. But it seemed like the reputation of the show has grown massively, I mean, exponentially from last year. And I mean, certainly from our point of view, the video views are more like we'd expect for Nam, which for a second year is kind of impressive. Were you hearing about it from afar? I mean, outside of our, of, of our news? Uh, no, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bye. Yeah. No, uh, I saw only your news, I think, and obviously what various people had posted on Facebook. But like I say, I'm immersed in ton of work, so I had to I had to be sort of disciplined. But some of your vids, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, really good stuff. In fact, I discovered something. I really love that Circlon sequencer, and for some reason, I always thought it was a kind of american company or something like that you know so i've been very tempted in fact i've been talking with rick smith over um the, probably the last six months we both kind of thinking and thinking but i what i didn't want to do was kind of pay a deposit to somewhere elsewhere in the world and then kind of sit and wait and wait and wait uh, for them to build it and then to discover that it's actually a scotsman oh i did not know that Sub- <laughs> yeah and uh yeah, he left the kind of corporate world to join this mad world, which I think is uh, admirable and brave and some may say foolhardy. But no, it was a really good, that was a really good vid. I really enjoyed that. There were loads. There were loads. I didn't, I did, like I say, I didn't go too in-depth. No, absolutely not. I suppose that's fair enough. I mean, but... But it is amazing how... I was only talking to somebody the other day, a keyboard player who was here, and he was looking around at the analogue stuff and obviously uh, slathering and uh we were saying that actually you know rewind kind of three years or four years there was nothing out there that knew that somebody could buy you know certainly not less than three three thousand dollars or something and now there's this show that looked utterly rammed i loved that 
you getting lost for oh, 10 yeah. hours. The, I didn't the, watch it for 10 hours. No, I didn't watch it either. That was a video. <laughs> Let's see, I've got it here somewhere. Because I, I did a video of, uh, and this was, uh, I got a bit lost because we did a second video and uh, a chap called uh, Just Witty, I think, or Just Whittle. I can't quite make out whether that's an I or a J. Uh, he did uh, Nick Back Gets Lost on Superbooth for 10 hours, and it's a really seamless loop. Um, so it's be- and it is, it is actually a 10-hour video they uploaded, which is absolutely crazy. Must have taken, I guess, at least 20 hours to to make, you know, and to upload and to wait all of that time and to render out, and all that, although it is low-res, but yeah... Seems to be, that's the ultimate of memeing, I would say, you know, pretty much. But yeah, it was pretty funny. I, I was, but it was, it was embarrassing seeing it all put together for that long because it does look like I'm just really, really untogether, which I kind of was, I suppose. But the the thing about the building is, is it had two floors and it was kind of like a quarter or a half circle of the Pentagon where you had uh, stacked um, <clears throat> exactly the same corridors left and right of the main staircase. And it was, you know, you could go there and just go, oh, wait a minute, have we been here or not? It's really, because the, the visual cues were were not, there weren't that many of them, shall we say. Ben, did you get lost much? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. It wasn't just <laughs> me then. It, was, it wasn't just you. Just, I absolutely love just a quick one to shout out. The video of you, the, um, this is what happens when you don't sync the clocks. And the oh, microphones just sort of moving from one to the other. Actually, that, I think that's a good point because obviously the thing, just a bit more about the ergonomics of the place. The funk house was just mostly a massive marble foyer with everybody pounding out, and it was just horrendous. It was just so loud and so noisy. Whereas here, lots of nooks and crannies and bits separate, and the soft furnishings were better. So there was no. So it was actually way better from a noise point of view. But I think that what would be really good is if they just provided a house clock. That you could yeah. you could have or not, but you know persuading people to use it would actually be mean that everything was synchronized and it would be a much more enjoyable experience. I mean, I'm sure not everybody would do that, but you they could shout out the tempo, or maybe they could just have a tempo that changed every yeah. hour or something. That would keep everybody in the toe. Sorry, Rich, I've been uh, we've been neglecting you. Did you get a chance to all. see any stuff there? Yeah, I looked at pretty much all of the video you posted. Good grief, uh, that's more than I've done. Uh, darn near all of it. I, d- I had the uh, ten hour video on on uh, in the background throughout yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I watched a little bit of the ten hour video, but uh, no, I, I peeled through most of them. Uh, there's a lot of really really interesting stuff. Fascinating show. Um, as usual, you guys did a fantastic job, and uh, in every case, I got to see pretty much what I wanted to see or hear what I wanted to hear. We could have spent a little more time with that brand new Behringer, but I knew you were people making people yeah, wait. Well, Model uh, D. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were pe- making people wait, so I understood. But uh, I heard enough of it uh, to know what I needed to know, I think. Um, so I saw a lot of really interesting and cool things. And I think as a show, it's fascinating and fantastic. And I I wish I'd been there. Yeah, well, I'm, like hoping, I'm hoping they use the same venue as last year uh, 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 again because poor, all the poor organisers, they have to do all the sort of measuring. I was talking to one of the, this lad, Tim, a big shout out to Tim Stobb and Adam uh, and Andres, all the, all the guys. And, uh, but he was saying the thing is when you do a new venue, you have, to me- you, know, you have to measure all the space and then carve it up. And it's an enormous amount of work. But I think the thing about uh, uh, Mr. Schneiders, who is madly eccentric, a brilliant, brilliant character and a great visionary, starting to get really quite a big, big cheese himself, is that he likes to keep things non-corporate and chaotic. So I suspect it will be another venue next year just because it will keep an edge on it and it will make it 
a bit messy. And I think that's sort of, that's, that's part of the whole philosophy about what he does, you know, just kind of, so you can create into this vacuum of space and just make it whatever it is, rather than just do the same thing again. But I, I, I won't go, but, but you did mention the D and I guess we should really uh, perhaps get the elephant out of the room. So uh, <laughs> I, I should say now, hello. I should say now that this actually we were wondering whether it would be here. had just come out of the box. They'd never seen it before. Yeah. It had turned up from a courier from the Philippines on the Friday. But uh, as you can hear, we've got quite a lot of low end out here. So and they were. <laughs> We've been playing with it here. Up the Philippines. Or wherever it had come from. I don't remember where it came from. Everyone's taking photographs. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean it pretty much, it looks pretty much like the kind And of I have to say, I mean, I didn't, I, I can't really comment on the build quality. I do know that there were some firmware issues and, you know, there's going to be other stuff. But, and I, I have to confess, I don't know a Mini Moog incredibly well, so I probably didn't do the right thing. But there's a bit, actually. Check out the filter Let me see. Let me see if I can find it, where it just started to... I got it to burn, and it, I just thought, oh, yeah, okay, that's it. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. It might have been around here. Somewhere around here, where I thought I, th I heard something more familiar. I think I just turned. There we go. But I mean, I won't play the whole thing. But um, obviously, that's kind of interesting. I mean, uh, and it really does look quite a lot like the new features on the other thing and all of those sort of things. But you know, that the, the rights and wrongs of whether the copy or not. The way I thought about it was, wow, a three oscillator analog mono synth for four hundred bucks is a really great thing, even if it doesn't sound anything like a Moog, which I would be fine with. And in some ways, it's a shame that it had to be. But I mean. It certainly got a lot of interest. Biggest story for you, Ben? Do you think you you posted a video? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, people may have seen me in those Deep Mind videos when they were teasing that. Um, I'm quite close to the Midas guys that were there demoing it. Um, they're a great team, um, but obviously, same as you, it was quite difficult. As soon as I'd sort of plonked a camera down on a gorilla pod and started fiddling, you know, there's a queue of people and I've sort of been, not rudely, but being bumped a bit because they were quite tightly packed in. Um, but yeah, very much the same feelings as you. It's it's almost a shame it's got the sort of Model D thing on it because I thought the envelopes were quite snappy. I thought the filter did sound quite good. Um, tweaks to be done. As you said, there's issues with the firmware, but it, it sounded great. And to get a couple of them and chain them over MIDI for poly, you know, free of three or four of those for cards should sound pretty huge. Yeah. And I, I think it should also be fair to say that the guys at Midas are not the guys that have developed this. They developed the deep mind, you know, their stuff was, yeah. was that. So this sort of showed up and, and that, that was their kind of gig to demonstrate it. And, and there was one lad there, Dave, who's a really nice guy, quite a lot younger than, than, than myself and others. who never really didn't know anything about a Moog. So he was kind of feeling a bit um, nervous about having to kind of present because he, he doesn't know the, the, the Model D. He's like a more of an NPC guy, you know, and that's his sort of thing. So, a good, well done for the, to the team actually for that. But I don't know what did you what did you make of it? I mean, it's I, I have to say, Rich. I mean, it's almost impossible to make a quality decision about the a, a appraisal of the sound in there because I mean, obviously, it was a mic, open mic, and Ben did a, a more closed one, and I think Topia did another one. I don't know if you've seen those as well, which are a bit I haven't rawer in terms of you know, well, not rawer, just clean audio, no mic. There's a number of things about this product that fascinate me, but I'm really interested to see if 
how it sounds. And when, if you put it next to a mini Moog and it sounds anything like it, that's all the better. But um, I'm I'm interested in the fact that they spent ten years trying to re- reduce the notion that they did nothing but copy other people's designs by putting out all these very original designs, and then went. And guess what? Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. We're release somebody else's design. Like, like they spent all those years fighting that perception, and now it's like, all right. <laughs> well, it's, in, it's interesting. Guess that, what's coming next? The 2600, you it's know, interesting. whatever. No, it's know. interesting you say that, actually, Rich, uh, because essentially, I guess in, in past time, you know, they have been well widely documented. No, it's not that. It's something, it's something else. Whereas this, they're going, yep, yeah, this is exactly, uh, yeah, you know, they, just, they've been right up front about it, aren't they? So. It's kind of cute being small like it is. Uh, I hope it's fun and satisfying to operate because there is a tendency. Uh, I had this conversation yesterday with somebody. There's a tendency to go too small with knob-based devices and then complain about resolution. Um, so, you know, I hope that the knobs are satisfying to operate and all. And it's kind of cool that it's got freaking CV patch points across the top. Yeah, that's neat. And, then, and that, that's the thing that makes it a bit different, actually. There's more patch points, I think, on there than on the the other one yeah <laughs> you've got original. you've got the extra lfo and you've got you know it's midi and i think usb at the top is there a usb yeah, connector is, at yeah. the top you know so i could you know connect it directly to my rolly if i wanted or whatever. absolutely but, i think one thing that should be said the reason that there was an arpeggiator running the whole time was because i think there was an issue with the midi firmware because i don't think i don't think the knobs are, are digital I think maybe the controller, maybe the types of knobs, maybe need a bit of work because of the logarithmic and you know the scaling of them. But I, I think that I think the MIDI firmware was the issue, and there was a stuck note. So the only way they could kind of not make it sound broken was to put an arpeggio on it. I mean, I mean, bearing in mind this, just literally one of the first two ever built. You know, this not production in any way. So I don't know. Okay, Rich, uh, Dave, even what? A, <laughs> I, I see you got one over yourself. I mean. I think the, uh, there, there seems to be a thought that is like, okay, Fender Stratocasters have been copied ad infinitum. You know, people buy one because they want to play a guitar and then they realise that perhaps it's not like the original and they might want to try something that's a bit further up the food chain price-wise, but it gets them into it. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, and actually your comment about that chap not having any experience with the Mini Moog is kind of interesting because we found exactly the same when we did the Tron you know, there's this whole, we started getting CDs from people with their version of various prog tracks. And, you know, because obviously Chris and I have worked with the originals. We were like, well, you know, it's admirable, but it doesn't, it didn't excite us. And then all of a sudden, this kind of different generation started using them. And they didn't have that baggage. They were just using it in a new and exciting <laughs> way. And then when those CDs started to come through, we were like, we like this, we like this. It got really adopted by the kind of trip-hop fraternity for quite a long time. And, uh, yeah, so that aspect is is very interesting. The CV side of things, interesting. I have to say, I didn't spend long on it because, obviously, it was a sequence, and um, this is no disrespect at all, but you are not a Minimoog operator. And I... So I just went straight to the comments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that all... I think I, I think what I, I posted it at, at about one o'clock, and then by about three o'clock, it had 195 comments on it, which is quite excessive, really. I went to yeah, and I, I kind of got you know I don't know ten or twenty or thirty through that, and just thought, oh, you know, I, I I need to leave it, and unfortunately, I can't make any judgment on anything until I've actually played it myself and put it through the kind of you know the usual 
standard things. But I do like this idea of a new generation approaching a what is effectively a very similar or designed to be the same instrument, but just, just approaching it from a very different angle. It would be really interesting to see what comes out of it. I, would, I totally agree. I mean, there's so much to get through. So at least we've got that done. You know, it's probably going to be coming out, I guess, mid to late summer. I mean, I don't know. It's maybe a couple of months out, but it's going to be in the world. And it doesn't look like there have been any uh, any kind of legal challenges or anything. But I mean, if I was if I was in a position to challenge it legally, I'd probably wait until uh, the said participant had invested a load of money in getting them shipped and then said, no, you can't do that because you'd probably want to hurt them. But that's probably another matter. Let's perhaps I shouldn't have even said that. But anyway, so um, what else? Um, ben, I'm going to come to you because in the modular world, Ed covered it mainly, and uh, I didn't really kind of get to look at what was going on there so much. I did see the Boomstar uh, five. What was it? The five one oh eight. Did you see that? The uh, yeah, the kind the Juno of style. Juno style, which is interesting. Again, as we've just talked about the rights and wrongs of clones a little bit. Uh, <laughs> That, yeah, that had a nice that, um, that guy. Yeah, the new version of the Tone Star. Um, I had the ARP style Tone Star for a while, um, and that really sort of went above and beyond any other synth voices. Um, I actually heard that through the distributor last year at last Super Booth, um, and then I've had one since. Anything from smooth to really sort of kicking your teeth in with the feedback path and the pre distortion, uh, pre filter filter distortion as well. Um, that was really good. Um, and the new tone start, really nice, snappy. And as we all know, playing with different synths, that filter makes such a difference. Because I believe the architecture for the voice and the VCA, the VCO, I think it's all the same. It's just a filter change. Well, they ch- they do change the gain staging a little bit to kind of make the filter work at an optimum level, I think, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, tweaked, but, you know, the same oscillator, which is great. The SE oscillator is fantastic as well. It really is, yeah. But, yeah, nice al- alternate sounding voice. Um and if it's anything as strong as the original, when I actually get one here to try out amongst this stuff, um, it'll be a great product. The original one's very good. I think I might have a bit of audio here. I think, where did he do it? He was doing a bit of uh, squidgy. The filters. He came up with a new word as well, which I thought was good, which was modularize, which I thought I, I, I was very... Like a tone star. Yeah. Let's just have a... Yeah, it does that Roland sort of quacky... Floppy filler, but yeah, again, a lot of these things are uh, demoed in the moment. So that was another thing. Um, did Rich? Did anything strike? Did, was there anything that stood out for you um, outside of you know what we've already talked about? Yeah, um, you featured something by a company called MFB. Ah, called, yes, called Dominion Club. Yes, and it really just sounded really good to me. It just looked like a very nice instrument to me. Well, it's based. Um, yeah, it's it based on. The, ear. It's based on the architecture for the uh, for the actual MFB Dominion. So it's uh, it's this guy here, which okay. I've got uh, with the fabulous Uwe George. It's their kind of tiny uh, club format. Uh, I think. Let's have a look. He played something on it. For example, with a USB, two analog oscillators and two digital, and uh, one digital, two subs, and a sequencer. I think you played us out with the and the Nanoworks Pro. Yeah, that did look nice, and a lot of people were saying you really got to go and check this out. And it, it, I don't know if I could get on with that format, but just because there's so many cross functions. But there, there, one thing that right. did become one thing that did become clear was there's loads of people 
certainly in Germany and in the sort of techno scene and on, on the various stages there who play using these dedicated boxes and that's the thing that and it's very minimal and it's very uh it, these are the sort of things that really work because it means you just rock up with like a small case and you can do your show and it works great for that so i think i think that's a good spot rich actually thank you yeah. uh, i think it's about 500 bucks they say uh in the summer and Uber George is uh, a legend amongst because he's he's deaf as a post because he's spent most of his life in clubs. So every time we talk to him, all he does is lean like this. Really, sorry, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> just brilliant, and it's the same every time. And it's uh, yeah, but he's great, really good. Um, anything else before we uh, before we ask Dave if he's got any uh, thing he wants to talk about? Because I know he hasn't had a chance to watch any of the videos. Um, a couple oh. of things I'd like to shout out. Yeah, yeah, Booth. Um, it was great to meet Hugo, the new guy at 4MS that's worked on this six-voice wavetable idea. Kind of based on, um, we ended up in a demo calling them planets, like a spherical wavetable, and you could kind of spread the six voices out across this sort of planet. Is it the swan or the... Yeah, the swan, and you could rotate through it and turn those into chords, have individual um, vault per octave control over each voice, or leave them just stacked. Yeah, that's it. This is yeah. I'm I'm, I'm able because I've got just a big list of the videos that I'm able to. Draw. What, is, what does it say? Wave table position. Ed was really impressed with this. Also, you can switch to triggers and see your alpha with triggers. More uh, percussion elements on this guy now. And now. Ooh, is it six voices? Oh my yeah, lord! Six full voices. Yeah. Oh, that does sound nice. The other interesting thing with it was the, the sort of flashing LEDs under, underneath were six LFOs, but they'd also go right up into audio rate, but they would alias. So you, whether you wanted that sort of digital crunch and then put it through a filter or have the cleaner top voices, you could kind of cross-modulate. Um, so potentially 12 voices, but with when you you to sacrifice some pitch control to go out. Yeah, that's a lot of functionality in there. Uh, yeah. It's the thing with, but the thing I find with all of the modular stuff, which is great, as soon as you cover it in leads, you can't actually see what you're doing anymore. Nobody needs to figure out a way of uh, of dealing with that because it's it, it is actually quite a significant difficulty. You know, I mean, you have to have built. I mean, I guess you must come across that a bunch yourself. I mean, do, how do you deal with that if you've got a complex patch and then you want to see what you're doing? Um, wave like I'm going through a jungle um, it's kind of alright top and bottom row if you've got you know module at the top with the jacks on the bottom that's fine and the sort of controller stuff closest to me as I'm using it has all the jacks further away so they're kind of fine um, it's a lot to do with layout I find in terms of where you put lots of little bits of mixing and things like that um, I tend to use sort of 10 centimeter cables and create like little hooks and I run cables out through the sort of little hook of cable down the side, and you end up using longer cables than you need, but it does help. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, speaking of cables, did you see the uh, the propeller heads uh, were showing off uh, a lot of the Reason blo- uh, rack extensions, which, uh, incidentally, Dave, is something that you probably uh, know a little bit about. And they did these; they had a big box of free uh, free cables, which was pretty wow. cool with the with the logo on it. Um, I missed that. Ah, did you? I'd got a massive handful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you. So, Dave, I know uh, you're you you've you've leapt into the five U world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow. I, I, some of the stuff is that the, that is available on Eurac is really kind of astonishing, actually. I mean, and, and I I just 
because I don't inhabit it, I, I, I leave that bit to, de- to Ed, and he's very good at that. So I, I, I don't know if there's anything else you've got from the show. I mean, no, you haven't had a chance to watch anything, but... Um, <laughs> Anyone? There were other I, I did. Yeah, I uh, noticed I that there's that a lot of people integrating card-based sample reading into ah, yes. waveform generation into granularizing parts of samples and using them in odd ways, forwards, backwards, all kinds of different things. There were a number of different modules that featured the ability to use, and Dave Rossum had one that's like almost entirely based in this, but there were even other people who were using that yeah. kind of technology, and it's interesting to me to see sampler thinking integrated into this form of technology in a way that it can be uh, – successfully manipulated in a modular world. It, it was fun. That was fun. Then you showed a device that took, I don't even remember what it took in, but it spit out like MIDI, SysX, um, uh, ah. control voltage. It spit, it spit out like, I think if you talked into the back of it, it would spit out all these things, it seemed like. So uh, I don't exactly remember the details of what that was, but that was a pretty amazing device as well. I don't remember that one. It may be one that I didn't film uh, either, which is entirely possible because we did probably about 50. I don't remember what went in the back, but what came out the front was like everything. <laughs> and it was a really impressive uh, piece of kit. And I don't recall. It kind of reminded me of the way I felt the first time I saw the expert sleepers thing that took um, Ethernet in and spoke spit out uh, control voltages. I also noticed that everybody's DC coupling their new interfaces yeah, so that you can send control voltages out of them. Personas are doing that with the new uh, Quantum HD, which is going to be out soon. And that looks pretty and, tasty yeah. anyway. It's very low latency. So, yeah, that looks yes. pretty cool. Uh, that device um, might actually be the Expert Sleepers disting update because it now has MIDI around the back so it can spit out MIDI files. It can take in MIDI files. It spits out CVs. Um there was also the general CV, which was a MIDI sound set in a module, um, which kind of seemed really lame at first, and it was an April Fool's joke to start with. But what Oz <laughs> Expert Sleepers did, because they've got such tight integration of CV through to that chip, um, he was clocking it at audio rate, saw a square wave oscillator up at you know 10 kilohertz or whatever it was, and scanning through the drum samples, and all those sort of cheesy MIDI tambourines and congas became like a really cutting wavetable that you could scan between. Ah, interesting. It that- seemed really lame. He caught me and went, ah, you know that April Fool's? Um, I've really done it. And I kind of went, ha, 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 whatever, moved on. And then when he gave me the demo, it did really sound good. Ah, okay. That's well worth checking out. Dave, you, uh, uh, what, 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 whatever I asked you just now, I can't remember the question, what it was, but... Uh- just things, I suppose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> things. Things I'm trying not to spend money on. Yes. Um, yeah, the Novation Peak, very interesting. Uh, yeah. In fact, it's funny. Ben's saying about audio rate modulation. That's the one thing that, seem, that seemed to – that's kind of become the new PWM, hasn't it? Every single person is like, ah, <laughs> oh, and it's audio rate modulation. And then they make these kind of gnarly <laughs> sounds with it. And then the next one – and it goes into audio rate modulation. And I was like, okay, how long before this becomes slightly tiresome? But I think that's all part and parcel of it. Um, what else? Did I, I like that Sinton. Ah, uh, yes. Let me uh, – I did – that was uh, – what were they called? Sintonovo. Yeah, I, I actually got to the guy – With the, the keyboard, guy. with the wiggly You're keyboard. What was really funny about this – let me just sort of bring it – yeah, so check this out. This is, this is basically – 
you know, some part of Synth and Cyrix as a synth, and everybody's going, oh my God, they're remaking the Synth and Cyrix. But what he was actually showing was the keyboard, and the keybed was the thing because it's got a X, Y, and positional. So it's a familiar form factor, but you get pressure, you get position, so you can uh, do the kind of modulation and what have you with it. So, uh, But it was really funny because I was just going, well, I bet you if you ask everybody, they go, no, just make the synth, make the synth, make the synth, make the synth. But that, that he was a lovely guy, and he was one of the... Uh, Felix, uh, I've forgotten what his surname was, but he was the, one of the, uh, the founders of, of Synton, and he seemed like a very chilled gentleman, actually. It was nice. I quite like that whole idea of the GX1 type wiggle. And it's funny because people come in here and kind of play a note and go, and it's not actually <laughs> modulating anything, but there'll be some LFO on the patch or something. But they think that they're I'm doing just it. Kind of wiggling that. Yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. I quite like that. Um, what was that electron drum machine? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, no, that does look. I'll tell you what we'll do. It's because it's we're about halfway through. We'll just have a little word from uh, Isotope where you can find out whether or not you've uh, won or not. And so let's just play that and you can check it out because uh, this is Isotope's Neutron. Isotope's Neutron is it's kind of a mixing, a suite of mixing tools that enable you to do a number of things. First of all, it will give you suggestions on how to set up processing for individual tracks. It'll help identify what's on those tracks. Go, oh, this is a bass. Here's what you might want to try. And then you can use it or modify it or have a little bit of it. It's also got masking meter which is the really interesting part because what it does is it uses visual frequency collisions to show you where things might be conflicting and then how to deal with them maybe you want to pull a little bit out of this track visually identifying and that is actually incredibly powerful and i know a lot of people have said actually this is it, it really does change a lot of things particularly if you maybe you're not in your familiar environment or you're not sure there's a bit uh, frequency range of your speakers that you're not currently familiar with particularly useful in the bottom end where you can identify if it's just it actually allows you to visually identify that and then remedy it and it's a very powerful piece of technology so if you want to check out isotope neutron uh, please do head over to isotope.com forward slash neutron where there's a demo as for all of their products and incidentally they got rx6 out which just came out end of last week which is something uh, i might ask them about that because that's also very cool so um we should say uh, we did have a competition uh, last the last show, which was 488, uh, and we asked you to tweet. This is the way it works. You tweet uh, a hashtag and a couple of or a couple of hashtags, and you mention us and Isotope in the tweet. And we got a winner for last week. It's a chap called Matthew Westmeyer, who is known as at Automatica, which is two T's and a K. And he tweeted the hashtag Neutron and Mix Assistance to Isotope and Inc. and at Sonic State. And this week we've got... Another competition. You can win Neutron again this week. Uh, and the, we're looking for the hashtag TheMixDoctor, the hashtag Neutron. And you tweet those to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. And please do feel free to add any witty comments or observations in the remaining characters. We do read them. And I know that Isotope have, they've got one of those things in their room which monitors social media. So you might well go past all the Isotope employees with a message to them as it monitors them in, the, in their cafeteria via large screens. So... Uh, <laughs> So, well, obviously, be uh, try and keep it safe for work. But, you know, if you've got anything to say or just want to let them know that you love their stuff or whatever, then please do that. So you want to tweet the hashtag TheMixDoctor as one word and the hashtag 
Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And once again, we thank them for the uh, competition prize and sponsor of the show. Right, this is the one that you're talking about, Dave. This is uh, Electron Digitact. So, uh, Super Move 17 and... Which actually does look really good. This is the first time it's appeared. We have the Digitact here, alive and kicking. And uh, so the Digitact is an eight-track drum sampler. You have uh, two stereo inputs that you can sample from. I'll move it forward because there's some really interesting new stuff he was doing with, with just looping and sort of granular type stuff and synthesis. So this is a sample that he's just basically and taking a loop from and it's playing chromatically. And that again, I guess, is parameter lockable. Exactly. Everything is parameter lockable on the tracks. Yeah. Easier. Big of storage. It basically is much longer. I won't play the whole song. thing, but it re- uh, uh, if you watch the whole demo, Jenk went through a whole bunch of stuff, and it, it honestly, it was really kind of like, ooh, yeah. And because it's got the bigger screen now on the Electron stuff, because I always found the little screen was not bright enough and was a little bit hard to look at, this does seem like it could be something special. It's not, it's mono, uh, which some people have been moaning about, um, but it sort of seems to do an awful lot of other things. Uh, Dave, uh, when was the last time you bought a drum machine that was a current model? I don't know. I honestly don't know. In fact, I dug out, I dug out a load of drum machines from storage. So it was like the R8, the six track, the drum track, Tom, uh, they were just like loads. And I kind of went through them and they were very, you know, interesting because they're of their time. But that was kind of what got me on this. And also that alpha bass, I just started thinking, oh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe something new in that department would be would yes. be necessary I'll and justifiable. Get, I'll, let me just grab the Joe Mox there quickly. I, I don't know. Um, before we get onto that, uh, did you get a chance to check the Digitact did out? I guess you were probably hands were full with all of the uh, modular stuff you were trying to cover, though, yeah, right? I, I ended up completely missing it, but um, I did watch your demo video, and you and Jenk presented, presented that really well. Some really cool stuff. Um, with sampling, was it a little radio that he had, like a little AM, FM yeah. radio? No, it wasn't. It was a, a sitar drone. drone. It was a bizarre uh, thing I'd yes. never seen before. Like those Budder boxes that you can get. Um, yeah, I really like that. And did you see the um, drinking game in the comments? Take a drink every time they mention parameter lock. Uh, ah, no, I missed that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's obviously the power of... I can do it on the modular stuff, but to have a box that every single step, everything can move uh, is super powerful. Um, it seemed really fast from the um, demo video, but I did miss it at the show, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. I, I would say, actually, it's currently our biggest video. I think it was, uh, wow. it, it beat it, it beat the D, which I was very surprised at. There were more people interested in uh, Electron Digitac, and that's kind of a surprise. Uh, Rich, uh, did you, you try the analog keys out, didn't you, or the analog four? One of them, or you've got one? Yeah. I seem to remember. No, I did. I worked with it for a little while. Yes, this this does look pretty cool. I don't know if you're into the notion of drum machines, but uh, sure, I am. Am I into the notion of drum machines? Um, absolutely. Looks like a very interesting and cool device. I'm glad to see that they've uh, broken out of their display limitations of the past, um, and. Uh, Looks like a very versatile, cool machine to have next to that 
brand new analog style drum machine by Joe Mox or by Arturia or by one of those. Like it looks like it would sit very nicely in your sort of drum machine section. Yeah. I will drive. It'll drive, do all of that stuff. I'm going to say the word parameter lock so you can take a drink now. It, I think it, it will spit out all of that stuff over MIDI so you could use it to control other things if you've got some way of mapping it as well. So that would make it very powerful, I think. The thing about drum machines to me is they should be fun to operate. You should yeah. like working it. Yeah. And then so your interaction with it should take place through its interface rather than – you know, if I want to trigger drums over MIDI, I don't need a drum machine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <clears throat> but then that's that, and that's really interesting because you know we, I've got a keyboard, I've got a Nectar Panorama with uh, pads, and I've had very, I've got loads of things here with pads, but I never reach for that when I want to program drums because it's always a, they're never the right notes, and it's always like oh yeah, I, I can't be bothered to then go and figure out where I want to map everything. I want I just want to get going, so I always use the keyboard. So I'm kind of out of practice with that. But like you say, this thing to be able to just kind of go yeah, that beat, that sound, that doing this, then and just. You know, I, obviously, we're talking to the guy who uh, Jenk, who is probably the most fluent electron user in on the planet, and is very highly skilled and very musical with it as well. So that does kind of tend to think, make you think, yeah, I could do that. I mean, you may not be able to do it immediately, but it definitely looks like it's a lot of fun to use, for sure. Yeah, I like the I like the musicality in general of their designs. When I've used their products. I've, I've found myself in a place where I could relate to the design idea and could make this into a, a creative musical environment. My biggest problem with the analog stuff, as I made too much noise about already, is the size of the display. But operating the thing and what it would do and what it sounded like was like great fun. It worked like one of those drum machines in the sense that once you got used to operating it, it became fun to operate. Yeah. Uh, you were again. You were a little bit blind in your in your work, but I can work blind. I'm all right with that. We didn't have displays in the old days. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that's very true. But yeah, g jolly good fun. Uh, Dave, here's uh, here's the video you were talking about, which is uh, Michael uh, uh, Based, Jürgen Michaelis' uh, Alpha Bass engine. We have six eleven voice bass, but analog VCA, analog filter based uh, slots. Two of them are hired, optimized with a with an analog filter and metal noise, metallic noise as sound source as well. I, I go into that deeper again. That's got Reba. I think uh, he was playing something at the end. One, two, one, two, two, eight. Alpha bass. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That's what it sounds like like a chord thing yeah the obligatory shot of the uh of the, the the flapping speaker there he's also another guy so he's he's a drum machine maker obviously into his techno he's deaf as well <laughs> he can't oh. it was a lot of time he's like hey he, he just could not i mean it was where he was was actually a bit noisier than perhaps some of the other places but yeah but the legendary jordan mccullough you know it's got a, it's got a sort of vibe of the uh do you remember the sun sin which was that massive eight voice analog which promised so much but i think it just was a little bit too ambitious and you know so the os never really quite kind of got there before it started to you know anyway and uh, but i'm hoping that this one will be much more in his comfort zone because uh it's also got parameter lock there you go <laughs> okay you'll be getting will you be getting that but it, <laughs> but it's uh i think it's about 1600 euros it's an expensive machine but it's a very but you know whereas the electron 
did I see right? It's about eight, seven, eight hundred euros. Or something. Seven four nine, I think. Okay, but it is digital. You know, if that makes yeah. A you see, I don't care about that. I can't. I don't, it, yeah. For me, it's like the immediacy of something, and like Rich said, you know, the kind of fun element. And in my head, I've never, I've never actually used any of the electron stuff. But in my head, I'm kind of like, I look at it and think, oh, I'd probably get on with that. But maybe it's because of some of the demos that you kind of go, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. I like that cuckoo demo of the old um, Ultra Track or whatever it was. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. There's too many things. There's too many things tempting me. Well, I mean, and that's the thing about Superbook ah, this year. There was a lot. Oh. The um, the Polyvox is, is kind of tempting. Yeah, I I oh. wasn't sure about whether that was the people who were doing that. Remember Ty's rant about the, the way that they were selling that. I looked at because I got Ed to do it. The guy was basically stalking me around the show going, you're going to come, you're going to come, you're going to come. And I didn't go. And then I realised I think it was the guys who did the sort of expensive Kickstarter thing. I couldn't remember. But, uh, yeah, it did. every time we went past, it was sort of like, ah, but in a good way. <laughs> if you know what I, I mean. thought that was a funny bit about your 10-hour walkthrough was when it got to them. It was just like one speaker, agony coming out of that, and the other one, a pain coming out of yeah, that. Were. But I've always had a real soft spot for the Polyvox, and I like the idea of it being, you know, midi and Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? There was somebody put in the comments on some one for the Polyvox, which is that sort of, it's not a reissue, it's a rebuilding, and in a different case, you know, part of the joy of the Polyvox is that when you play it, it's probably been in a garage in Siberia for 30 years, which is why it's sort of, even more broken and has this sort of quality to it that is, you know, even more sort of unusual and uh, hard to fathom because it's 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 sort of broken, but it, I guess it's sort of mills back. We should, of course, mention uh, the Novation stuff. Um, I'm intrigued. This by is this. the peak. So uh, I've got I've got the peak here. That's it. And it's uh, this has got the uh, the new. Um, Oscillators designed by Chris Huggett, which are NCOs, which are numerically numerically calculated oscillators. I'm not sure if that... Num- I don't know what NCO stands for. I've gone blank. Um, but it's an FPGA, uh, which is much faster uh, on a single chip for running concurrent musical processes. So it's b- better at threading. So you end up with basically everything runs off a single chip, which is why I think it's kind of at the higher end of this price point. But... All of the internal control voltages and audio paths come out of one-bit DACs, so you're you're basically bit-streaming all of the data, which means, again, you know, going back to that next drinking game buzzword, audio rate modulation, it's all over it, and there's no aliasing whatsoever. And in my to my ears, the oscillators themselves sound better than the DCOs in the base station two, uh, and it's got the same filter, but it's got three <coughs> distortion points. So it's an interesting one, and that you know, I don't think they 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 literally you know that this was they did a quite a big launch. I mean, everybody, loads of people got one. Cuckoo got one. Topia got one. There's a bunch of people who've sort of I got one, but I didn't get time to do a demo because I was at the trade shows, which is rather disappointing. But again, that's another big video for us. So um, Chris Huggett, I mean, I'm sure you'll appreciate his design genius. So you know, yep. he's he's been around for a long time and done some great stuff. So you should check it out, Dave. Uh, yes. Yeah, I will. I mean, I've got a lot of time for Nick Bookman. Yeah, top chap. And there's a couple of mates who work there who I think were involved. Well, if they were involved in it, then it's obviously going to be very good. And obviously, Huggett is a legend. Uh, sounded good. I like that little stand as well. Does that come with it? Or was uh, that an add-on thing? I think it's an add-on thing. Let's see if I can find a close-up of that. 
I think I probably didn't take a shot of the stand. Oh, you, might be, able, you might be able to see it. Yeah, part, sort of just around the corner there, you might be able to see it. it you can, yeah, there you go. You can sort of strap those things on. I bolt those things on and it'll stand up. Uh, I think yeah, they're like, an extra. Yeah, look good like that. Sounded good. Uh, like I said, poly aftertouch. Can't moan about that. I'm just about, yes, when we move in, I'll finally get my old Kurzweil MIDI board out. So You'll have that back, back again. Poly, poly aftertouch heaven, assuming that it's working. Yeah. <laughs> Ben, did this feature on your radar much as well? This again, you know, another big video for us. Yeah, it was another one of those that being, as you said, my channel's nearly entirely modular focus, not because that's the only place my interest lies. That's just the work I'm doing. Um, so I didn't get a chance to go check it out, but it was the thing that we were sort of kicking our feet around, sulking in the airport, that we didn't get a good amount of time with it. Um, so again, I completely missed it at the show. And then there was also another little surprise, which is uh, this guy, which was another release at the same time, which is a, a risky a risky business if you're launching. This was the uh, the Monostation, which is a circuit, which I think is a great little piece of kit. So it's got the but but it's got essentially you know most of a base station voice, but with the uh, uh, there it is with the with the circuit kind of sequencer and uh, operational men, uh, side of things. I don't know if that's something. Have you tried to say? Have you got any crazy oh, uh, oh, patterns plugged in? Did that's you... what was under the Perspex, wasn't it? Um, yes, but they had a couple. Of, I, I don't think that. I think that's coming a little bit later than the um, than the peak, as far as I know. I'm not sure. I don't know if peaks in the stores now. I, sh- I should probably find that out. I don't think it is yet. Um, d- Rich, have you tried a circuit? I think you'd really like it. It's so easy to use, and it's very musical. Again, it's this sort of. It's quite as good as a drum machine in many ways, yeah, which is what it is. But it's also got a couple of synths in it that you can edit quite heavily. So yeah, I haven't. No, I haven't. I haven't had a chance. I would check that out. But the, these yeah. things, these things will uh, um, certainly. Uh, talk together and they're, they're very good at syncing and stuff so that's the two things from no age right was there anything else that was meant oh yeah this oh this was beautiful I'm just, hold on sorry i'm trying to minimize the amount of ads showing on the front of these videos because i'm sure you've all had enough of, of uh, mission that. control this mission control is super booth yeah we the ondomo uh, which is the remake this, uh, of the on martinez from for, uh, japanese uh, to uh yeah we've had a lot of a lot of people it's absolutely beautiful i have to say and it's got that, uh, I mean, you know, it's still an expensive thing, 2,000 euros, but it seems reasonable considering the amount of craftsmanship that's actually gone into this thing. Let me see, I got him to play a little bit at the end. Haunting melodies. For yeah, Saturday for morning. sure. We'll, yeah. We'll say goodbye. All right, thank you very much. Uh, I, you know, I would like one of those just as a thing to have. I Rich, think that's I, a great price as well, man. Yeah, that's what I mean. Two thousand euros. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but as a, such a beautiful thing, it really is kind of surprisingly cheap. I suppose, or lower cost than I'd anticipated. Yeah, yeah, love it. It sounded really nice. I, I, Rich, I know you're reaching for the roly there. Were you? Were you <laughs> have you got an true. on voice? There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> What I Martino moment there. What I love I about this Martino is the fact that there's just kind of a couple, three, three or four faders that when you kind of, when you push them, it's just like transition from sine to triangle, sine to saw or sine to square, and that subtlety of of change combined with the expression 
just it just it, it feels really natural and it's just, it's astonishing when you think this is kind of nearly 100 years old this concept and it's still kind of it's doing kind of what rich was doing now with the latest technology from Rolly. it's quite fun really isn't it have you you haven't got an ond have you is that one thing you haven't got or have you got one no we haven't uh, yeah no we haven't <laughs> Look, they're really. No, li- this is a li- but it li- is a really good price, and it, there's something about that tone that kind of makes me, and that control mechanism that kind of makes me go a bit moist. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, the, in fact, one thing that they haven't done, which I think would be really cool, if they put CV out on this thing, so you had that expression directly interfacing into a modular. I mean, it's a joy. I mean, Ben, that's got to be you know, because I mean, uh, Dope has done slider kind of controls, but just an on CV out into that. You know, you'd have, uh, what, pitch, gate, uh, and maybe amplitude or, or uh, frequency. That would be enough, right? Yeah, certainly to get things going. I've played around with a lot of things like that in terms of the EO Wave ribbon controller is great. That takes a Y cable and gives you the gate and the pitch. Um, handy little graphic to sort of show semitone markings, although it doesn't quantize, um, but it makes it playable. The dope for one's just a big strip, and you're kind of guessing where notes are, which is fine after a while. Uh, yeah, anything like that. Playing around with an Ewe, which seems one of those sort of, when you put it with a general MIDI sound set, sort of laughable and a bit funny, but with the breath control and the pitch and the gate from a good um, horn player, or wind player rather, um, I've done some great things with the Ewe. Taking the breath into things like wave table position, wave folder amount, ring mod depths, so beyond trying to mimic a saxophone, essentially. Yeah. Anything like that that adds some expression, I think, is great. Well, yeah, a lot of... Uh, I, I remember when I did a piece a couple of years ago with the uh, Moog Ensemble, and quite a number of those players are using Ewe controllers to play, essentially, poly uh, mono lines because they get that expression for the filter, and it just makes it really kind of a completely different instrument. It's really good. Just like I say, big shout-out to uh, the chat room. I think... Um, I think I saw Matt, Pat McM. I think that is the Pat from the actual on video, on demo video. And uh, he's, I think he said a bit further up here that CV is actually looking like a real possibility because uh, I think they've been lobbying, um, I forget the name of the Japanese chap who is, who, who's been work, making this his life's work. And he's been, I think he's been becoming convinced that it should be a, real, a very real thing. So that would be good. I'm not sure about MIDI or MPE though, Rich. <laughs> In that case, I'm not interested. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a thing of beauty. It's the sort of thing that you know would be, I'd, yeah, it'd be nice to have as a as an objet d'art that you can play. And uh, yeah, so that was good. I'm trying to think. There's there is uh, so much more, but I can't think of anything else at the moment. Ben, you probably have got uh, you've probably got a couple of things on your list. Presumably, you're a man who likes to prepare. I know so. Yeah, well, one thing, I didn't want to jump in and butt in, but when um, Dave said about, oh, no, it goes into audio rate modulation, it made me laugh. I remember getting into modular, everything was about how many octaves the oscillators could track. So you get one, sounds great, and someone goes, oh, yeah, but it only tracks five octaves. This one tracks ten. I'm like, well, when are you ever playing a musical line over ten octaves? Like, it's crazy, crazy. Just tune the five up a bit and then have five from wherever you want to be. But it is definitely a buzz thing now, getting an LFO and someone saying, oh, yeah, it doesn't go any higher than a kilohertz. Well, it's an LFO. (laughs) (laughs) I'll use an oscillator if it needs to go higher than that. Um, One really good thing with the audio rate modulation, though, um, 
is to actually get to try it on lots of things like filters and VCAs, but then to split the vault proctive pitch. Um, a bit like if you remember the sound of a sort of triangle wave on an old Atari, you've got that down sampling that just stays where it is and the pitch moves underneath. If you kind of find an interval between the audio rate and the sort of fundamental and then split the pitch, it'll track together. And a bit like what you'd get if you were to resample something, all the noise and the modulation speeds change because they're moving together on like a crude, resampled kind of thing. Um, works really good and can be really, really musical, but it's definitely a buzz thing at the minute. Just, oh, yeah, it does audio rate. And it's, as you say, it's pain out of one speaker and torture out of another. <laughs> <laughs> it can be amazing, though. It takes a little, it's a little tricky with analog, but it's doable. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's, I mean, I know um, maybe because it's the thing in software as well, isn't it? Because software is notoriously difficult because of the aliasing and the sample rates, you know, to get audio rate stuff within a software itself. In fact, I don't know if you saw, there was uh, some new native instrument blocks. I, to- I spoke to Dave Forrester, who's one of the uh, blocks creators, freelance block creators. And I spoke to him last year at Superbooth and he was great. And uh, I-, I set up another interview with him because I know he's good. And uh, the- some of their blocks are really nice. I guess you must run into those problems yourself just in terms of development as well, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there are some uh, DSP programmers who really won't go anywhere near audio rate modulation. It's it's a, it's another skill. But yeah, quite interesting. I like LFOs to, like, I mean, it's, I'm just going to echo exactly what Ben said. I mean, I do like LFOs. And if you want to, particularly with the modular stuff, but I need to be schooled in this Euro rack thing. Really, I I need to kind of spend, I need to spend some time with the next. But I've been saying to Chris for ages. You know, I think the Euro rack ethos would really suit you because of because of the way his brain works, and because I'm kind of locked. You'll notice that all of the things that I thought were interesting were instruments in their own right. So I, I have so little experience of the whole Euro rack thing. And, and there's so much exciting yeah, well, that is true. cool stuff coming out of it that I need to learn more. There is a very great deal of it. That's very true. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, it's almost impossible to keep up with. I mean, you know, um, I'm sure Ben, you know, you, you felt pretty much that when you left <laughs> or maybe when you arrived at Superbooth. Uh, arrived there on setup day and you know most things still not plugged in on the wednesday afternoon but oh completely overwhelming the amount of stuff coming out and i you know this is the work i'm doing and i keep up with it but very overwhelming all the time um there's lots of the same thing coming out um which i don't so much have issue with when someone wants to make and complete their own lineup for say a full voice but I, it's not that interesting if someone makes, you know, another ADSR that's the same as all the others and the same price. No, I agree. Uh, and it can be done elsewhere, can't it, really, at that stuff? Yeah, there's there's a mix of, you know, lots of utilities coming out. And, uh, no one's kind of going to beat dope for, for prices as well. Um, and the amount of stuff they've got is ridiculous. But there is still a lot of interesting things coming out that seem simple, but then you speak to the developer or, if I'm working on a video and I might just send a bullet point list, these are the things I'm going to cover. Have you any favorite patches? And they just give you that one little seed of idea. And again, it might be audio rate or it might be, um, someone told me you can make bacon frying by audio rate modulating a resonating filter. That's useful. Well, you can, you can actually fry bacon or just the sound of it. 
Yeah, you can burn the house down. You can make but... the smell of it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, does it smell like that? But <laughs> as silly as that sounds, that made it for a great sort of crunchy clap sound or to use that as... Um, with all the samplers, I spent Rich mentioning all the samplers coming out, I really like the sort of hip-hop mentality of always having hiss and crackle and bits of noise on top of things that's being pushed around and smudged. So things like that's really nice for making alternate vinyl crackle style sources and drums. That's an interesting. Maybe there needs to be a module that is like a, just a bad mixer that you put anything you plug into it gets summed and you can just turn up the level of cr- of noise and interference and you can apply that to maybe CV as well and you could just end up with this sort of... I mean, on some, you must find this, Ben, on some modules, I, I, I've certainly experienced it, where there is just bleed on some of the bussing internally. So there is this sort of weird little jittery modulation that's just coming from some sort of bleed somewhere within the module and you get, and, and it creates a, it's a thing, but it's quite hard to find out where it is. So maybe just somebody should make a module that just does that <laughs> and you can, you, you could use it or not, right? There's definitely a few that bleed. I won't get into naming names. No, me neither. You, you can definitely pull power home through those bus boards when you want. It's an open platform for that. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be kind of interested in that. I mean, all the Waves plugins have the um, 50 hertz, 60 hertz power hum built in. You know, there's like an off 50 hertz, 60 hertz button on the sort of modelling plugins. Um, ah. It does add a certain something. Not so much the tonal noises I'm interested in, more actual hiss and crackle and the sort of higher stuff. Anything tonal is a bit harder to work around. Yeah, because you're stuck to a key then, I suppose, aren't you? So yeah. that's a good point. Um, okay, right. Well, I, I'm thinking also we've got sort of. I, I, I would say again, you know, thanks so much to Ed for uh, coming over and, and doing working through his terrible, terrible uh, cold, and also to the people at Superbeef for putting on such a great show. I mean, they work like dogs. And also, Andre, this is another thing I found out. Andreas, who is a human dynamite, you know, a dynamo. He, his wife had a baby the Thursday before the show. You know, so I mean, it's wow. like talk about everything happening all at the same time. But he seems to be able to kind of just cope with it. And uh, we saw a lot of friends there. Uh, and all the people that came up and said hello, great. I'm really pleased that uh, I was able to shake your hand and have a quick chat with some of you. And some of you I didn't get time to, but uh, always appreciate it. Don't feel like you can't ever. I know I moan about it sometimes, but it's actually a, a, an honour and a pleasure to be to be considered worth talking about and having a selfie taken with. But also, um, shout out to Daniel Miller. I saw him there. He did a really great talk with uh, Schneiders and uh, there were a couple of other chaps who I forget. They sort of closed the uh, the speaking part of the Super Bowl. And it was hilarious. It was very surreal and odd. Um uh, and um, the other thing that I would like to say is they had st- all the stages there were point source. So electronic music into speakers that were point source speakers, certainly the outside one. It was a massive horn-loaded PA that was about eight foot tall, no, taller, 10, 12 foot. And it just sounded absolutely brilliant. I mean, I have to say, and that it just can't beat it in my mind. You know, I mean, obviously, in terms of line array, great for efficiency and all of those things but just having a big pokey speaker pointing in your direction you can't beat that and that was that was great did you get to see any of the acts outside ben yeah i think um the acts played really well through the afternoons as well we were going out you know to grab food sit beer have an ear break coffee whatever it was and bumped into poor ed full of cold a few times um but i think all the acts did really well to play to the situation you know, you sat at a bench, get something to eat and drink, and it would just catch your ear and you'd you know hold your attention for a while, but then it would almost drift back into the background. I think no one 
kind of said, right, I'm going to do banging techno at two o'clock in the afternoon. I think all the acts did really well. It was a nice, there was a lot of sub, really rumbling deep bass, but a, a nice sort of ambient ebb and flow to the performances I saw. They were very good. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I know, Rich, uh, you should definitely try and get over there next time if you can, because it is a, quite a special event. And you, Dave, I mean, it's only a 99 yeah. quid flight. Um, but uh, I know you probably not. You have <laughs> not to be that side. Not from you, no, obviously. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to go. And uh, I, if I could make it happen, I would go. And Because uh, there's nothing like it that I've seen. No, I mean, Suit and Tie Guy's got his yeah, thing, not con, I, I like think a small, small version of it. But I'd like, this would be really quite something to do. Yeah, it, it was a really good. And uh, same goes to you, Dave. You need to get on a plane next time and just go, even if it's just for the day. I mean, because Berlin's such a cool city anyway. It's got yeah. a really good vibe to it. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to go. I, I wanted to go this uh, this year, but yeah, well, that's things conspire against you, don't they? I know that feeling. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know if there's anything else I want to. Any any uh, any other business? Anybody want to add anything else? I don't know if you uh, if you have any other any other points, Rich. You leaned forward there. I assumed that that might mean a, a, a yes, <laughs> or it might not. <laughs> well, the, um, they had on the out. I saw the schedule for the outside stage when you were showing uh, the the venue, which was sort of being lightly used at the time in your walkthrough. <laughs> And I noticed my friends, the Parisi brothers, who uh, work for who demo for Roly. And uh, if you get a chance, you want to see these two guys. They're amazing. I mean, not just because of the instruments; those guys play amazing music together, and it's worth seeing at a trade show if they're playing. Yeah, definitely. I've seen Marco Parisi who does the kind of uh, yeah, the solo stuff, and he's really impressive. His brother Jack is brilliant on blocks, <laughs> playing drums, and uh, and the two of them together just really play amazing music it's yeah. what got it's what got me into this is those two guys ah well nice in fact i probably should finish with a, a thank you to our sponsors obviously you will have seen the novation peak uh, pre-roll and also roly very kindly sponsored mm-hmm. as well and we uh, ed's got some blocks and i'm hoping he's got, he's going to try and hook them up with some some uh, modules that speak direct usb and see how uh, they work in that situation so i'm hoping he's going to enjoy that as well but i want to say thank you everyone and also to all the viewers for uh, for watching it because it literally i think we're up to about three hundred eighty thousand video views just from Superbooth, which is bonkers i mean that's like nam stuff you know without any of the other things that happen so thanks to all of you for watching and uh, let's see where we are in the uh, subscription Let's see if we can get to 4.15. Okay, we've got a few more since the show started. But uh, there you go. The graph is on the uptrend. Oh, someone just someone went down there. That was probably one of my gaffes. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much. And, uh, well, before we go, I want to say thank you to uh, DivKid for joining us. Don't forget to check his stuff out on YouTube. Um, thanks. Um, we'll have you on again sometime. It would be a pleasure if you, if you are available. Yeah, I'd love to. Just a really quick selfless promo. You guys came and covered the Modular Meets Leeds event in the north of England last year. That's August 19th this year. Some product launch stuff, very modular focused. So for those that are not into torture and paying out speakers, maybe avoid it. But yeah, so a big issue, UK modular meet. Very much a community thing. Is that the same, is that the same venue? Because that was a great venue last time as well. Yeah, rooftop bar. It's a great venue. Um, good food on site, good beer. Um, and yeah, just check out DivKid Video on YouTube for modular stuff. Anyone needing a fix? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you very much, Ben. It's uh, been a pleasure to have you. Also, Rich Hilton, thank you for joining us as well. Um, always good to have your viewpoints and, and your presence thank here. Thank you. 
Thank you. My pleasure. Loved it. And uh, nice to meet you, Ben. Yeah, nice. You too, Rich. Always good to see you, Dave. And okay, well, speaking of which, Mr. Dave Spears, thank you for joining us too. Um, you get to plug. You, are you going to plug your rack extension, your uh, your, your string machine? No. no? Okay. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, I wouldn't bother. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for joining us. But yeah, do check out what Dave's up to. Uh, they've just released a whole bunch of... Uh, there's uh, Well, they've got some more tapes for... Uh, well, that wasn't so recently, but uh, fairly recently in terms of development terms. Uh, did you see that quote from Urs Heckman who said, yes, it will be in, you know, two to three weeks. But then he said, but I'm a developer, so you shouldn't believe what I say. It's three, three months is always the words. They're the words that Chris and I always laugh at whenever you talk to a developer and you go, well, so uh, how, how long? And they go three months, which usually translate, well, certainly in our experience, it usually translates to about a year. Wow. I wouldn't put us in that category, mind you, but yeah, certainly with us. Whenever we hear those words three months, we just kind of look knowingly at each other and grin. Excellent. Actually, that was the thing that the Prophet, uh, no, the Repro 5, um, there was a patch where he showed where he found out that uh, uh, where he created this situation where all the individual voices would go out to separate distortion circuits on a polysynth because he'd heard that the guys from Tangerine Dream had one of their prophets modded so that each voice would come out of a separate and they put them all into a separate big muff and the sound is amazing and, and, it, and it was a very impressive sound actually and so uh, yes that was I, I did enjoy that in fact I think I came away with a tote bag seemed to be the thing to give away at uh, I've got mine somewhere, which are really useful when you're walking to and from the venue and you need to just take some of your gear and you don't want to take all your luggage. Um, but yes, I will say I was very disappointed with the weather in Berlin because it was absolutely bloody freezing and as I got off the plane, it started snowing and there were two hailstorms which both me and Ed were caught in as we made our way to the tram, which now appears to be in the UK, which I think it hit the UK last night, so it might be coming your way. But uh, yes... Big thanks to everybody. Uh, again, thanks for joining us. And I'm going to leave you with the news. Obviously, uh, we released our own uh, little Max for Live synth uh, wave junction in conjunction with the guy called Phelan and Metafunction. So I'll leave you with a sort of play out of that. Uh, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Cheers, Nick.